Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Football Absurdity Podcast. My name is Jeff Crisco, and I am here, as always, with my co-hosts, Evan Hoovler and Mike Valverde. Oh, boys, how are we doing today on this 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 weekend without football? Might as well be two straight weekends without football, because I don't know if I'm going to watch the Super Bowl. I am. I think the Super Bowl itself is going to be exciting. I think all the narratives around it are going to be exhausting. I kind of have to at one point, because it's sort of my job, but I'll probably just wait and watch the All-22s when I can just speed run it. There you go. Mike, how are you doing this week? I'm doing good. I am neck deep in football. Um, I'm taking this. I don't know if you you might have come across it on um, Twitter. Uh, it's the uh, Football Scouting Academy. Oh, yeah. I've heard of that. And so I'm like neck deep in, in doing all of that. So film after film after film and reading after reading after reading. So football has not gone away for me. And it probably oh, yeah. Did you find out about that from the Discord? Somebody was promoting it in the Discord. No, he said he found out of it from Twitter, I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. well, I've known yeah. about it for a couple yeah. years, but I just didn't want to fork over the $1,000 that it takes to take this course. But my wife's like, no, you've been asking for it for like four years. You need to do it. So I'm like, okay, well, you don't have to threaten me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, I've been... um. I finished my What to Remember series yesterday where I go five weird stats or splits or whatever about each team and finished that yesterday. 24,149 words. So glad to be done with that. And then wow. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm taking a, a, a mini break by only only writing a little bit. And I wrote 1,600 words today. So that's my little bit break here. So uh, that's I guess. Break? 1,600 that, words? <laughs> yeah, it only took me about two hours. Jeez. Wow. <laughs> it's it's wow. it's that's not too bad 1600 words in two hours that's not too bad and and it's it, the thing is is it's stuff that um has been kicking around inside my head and it's stuff we'll talk about today i actually wrote two articles about uh what i'm going to talk about with the running backs and the quarterbacks i already wrote those articles those are going to go up after the super bowl but um but yeah so exciting times um my uh my uh you know recording my action movie podcast been a lot of fun we recorded our 60th episode this week so or last week so 60 already already yeah well for the first 20 movies or so we got two episodes per movie so we've only watched about i think uh we've watched 37 movies but 60 episodes of the podcast because you guys used to do like the trailers right and then jump into the to the movies yeah we yeah. did that we used to do the trailers and um that got to be too onerous and some movies didn't have trailers so it got to be too difficult so uh, if you want to check out my other podcast reactionaries podcast wherever you get podcasts there you go backdoor plug all right so this is the regular episode feed of the podcast if you want to get the bonus feed which during the off season will be every other week uh you can go to patreon.com slash football absurdity you will get the other episodes and that way you will get weekly from us um if you only want to hear every other week, you can stay for free wherever you get podcasts. Uh, the whole Spotify iTunes thing that's been a problem, I think it might have evened out. I'm too scared to check, um, but I believe it has. And um, if you want to get on the discussion with us, it's still going, even in the offseason. Tiny.cc slash FB Absurdity. That's F as in football, B as in ball absurdity. Uh, if you don't want to talk about football in there, we hit, we talk food. We talk uh, – uh, what's that show called, Evan? Top Blow or something? <laughs> blown away blown away america's next top course, blow uh, and of course the video game chat is popping because of the GameStop pump and dump oh yeah game i got do you guys get in on that at all this week 
No. <laughs> I got some I got some uh, Blackberry, I got some AMC, and I got some Dogecoin. I, I think I have about 300 bucks all told. It's not like I'm going crazy over it. AMC's, uh, I forgot that was the other one. I was trying to remember my wife, trying to tell my wife what the other one was, and it was AMC. I forgot the AMC one. Yeah, and if the SEC is listening, they said they're going to crack down on it. I'm not advocating buying any of these stocks. I'm not. This is for entertainment purposes only. Please do not come after us, SEC. Um, you can come after us, uh, SEC, the NCAA conference. If, if oh, they want. I, I can keep the SEC off our backs. Hey, SEC, we're billionaires. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> There was a tweet yesterday that it was uh, uh, name something that's that's only considered trashy if you're poor um, and it's considered classy if you're rich. And somebody quote tweeted it and said manipulating the stock market. <laughs> oh, boy. So. All right. Uh, that's enough stocks chat. Uh, it's taken over the airwaves uh, everywhere. But um, this week, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about the AFC and NFC championship. We're going to look back on the questions we asked, find out the answers to those questions. We're not going to talk about the Super Bowl this week. We're going to have a whole Super Bowl episode next week in the Patreon feed. So for the second half of this episode, we will be talking about the lessons we learned this season. And judging from our discussions, uh, that's probably going to be the bulk of this episode is the lessons that we learned from this off season. We have some interesting stuff. I came up with an acronym. I kind of stole the acronym. It's called Tin Stabber. Um, if you know Major League Baseball online communities, you know what I'm referencing there. With tin, uh, It's from Tin Stap. So we'll get into that. But first, boys, let's talk about the AFC and the NFC championship games. Where do you want to start here? There's no good place for Evan to start because it's all bad for him. So bad. Let's start with Tampa Bay and Green Bay since that's the number one in the dock. So. Uh, in this game, it was a 31 to 26 Tampa Bay victory. They are going ahead, going on to the Super Bowl. Tom Brady goes to, I believe it's his 10th Super Bowl in 19 seasons where he's been the full-time starter. So that's wild. Um, and, uh, but there was a, I saw a hot take online that somebody was like, he wasn't even in, like, he was serious. He's like, he wasn't even in the Super Bowl for half of his seasons. It's like, what? What are you talking about? This is insane. Um, so someone was actually saying that, that yeah, it was some, some hothead on Fox news or Fox sports trying to be the next skip Bayless or, no. you know, Shannon sharp, whatever. So Mike, you wanted to know if Tom Brady could lead the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to the super bowl. And I would say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers led Tom Brady to the super bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was interesting. I was going over stats and you know, 280 yards passing. That's mediocre. Three touchdowns is not mediocre, but he also threw three interceptions. Do you guys remember him throwing three interceptions? Because I, I don't remember any of that happening. Um, but, yeah, uh, threw three interceptions. So not a very good day. Um, That's the only thing I remember about that game. <laughs> Those are the only plays Evan, Evan recognizes. <laughs> yeah. Everything else, yeah, it was just a blur. Um, so, I mean, obviously the Buccaneers went to the Super Bowl, so – but can you say really Tom Brady led him to the Super Bowl? Uh, maybe, maybe not. Um, but whatever the case is, they're, they are there um, once again. I, I was actually, I saw a stat that said that uh, Tom Brady, as you're talking about, half his season. So it was like 48% uh, of uh, throughout the Tom Brady's career, 48% um, of his seasons, he's gone to the Super Bowl. And... Uh, Curry, Stephen Curry has a 44% three-point range. So oh, Tom geez. Brady goes to the Super Bowl more oh often than God. Steph Curry hits a three. That's insane. 
That's insane. And Mike, I'm going to ask you. You're down eight. It's the four, it's uh, fourth and goal. It's what, like four minutes left? Is that how many minutes were left in this game? Let's see. So you're down four, fourth and goal, two minutes left. Uh, I, I, I go field goal because that's what I tweeted out that right before they even went for, for the field goal. I'm like, they need this is the field goal is the right decision here. What? What yep. makes you say that? I'm curious. Okay, so you have you have okay, so if you if you if you get the touchdown, right? And then mm. you have to get the two pointer and then you got eight points. And then so to that's a lot of pressure in that situation. Not saying that Aaron Rodgers can't handle it or anything like that. You're just in a moment glimpse of time, you're putting on a lot of stuff that you need to get done in one tiny situation. You kick mm-hmm. the field goal. There's still four minutes left. I think they still had three timeouts. No, there's two minutes left. Two minutes, and you still have three timeouts. Um, and you have one of the better defenses in football. Um, kick the field goal. Kick off. Hold them. And then you have Aaron Rodgers going in, and the pressure's off. You get the touchdown. I, I didn't see any problem with that. That made perfect sense to me. A lot of people disagreed with that, but I got to go with what I initially went with was go for the field goal here. That's what they did, so I agree with the decision. Sounds like you counted out touchdown time. <laughs> well, you know, I did forget that he was on the other side and went, um, yeah, and then they brought up that point where, well, how do you go for it when Tom Brady's on the other side? And it's like, well, you know, he did throw three interceptions. He did get clobbered for a lot of part of that game. Um you know, it, it wasn't one of his better games. But, yeah, you're right. When you have a Hall of Famer on the other end, you can't just say, okay, well, we got two cracks at it because, really, you probably only have one, if that. Yeah, the uh, the two cracks at it doesn't work when it's touchdown, Tom. You know, I think it's a, a uh, um, learning moment for Matt LaFleur, you know. He'll, he'll come back, you know, he'll see. Uh, next year, you know, when Jordan loves in that position and, and Aaron Rodgers is, you know, up against them with the, for the 49ers, you know, we'll see, uh, if Matt LaFleur makes a different decision, uh, in the NFC championship game next year. Now it's not going to be Aaron Rodgers to the Niners. It's going to be Matt Stafford. Okay. Evan, no. Uh, yes. Evan, you wanted to know, did Green Bay do hours of psych drills where Rodgers throws interceptions without losing his mind? Well, he threw an interception and didn't lose his mind. So it worked out. That's pretty. Yeah, that was pretty cut and dried answered. Uh, it was just that initial push by Tampa Bay's offense that Green Bay couldn't overcome, even with three, yes, three spectacular interceptions by Tom Brady. Uh, Aaron Rodgers just has work cut out for him. And I thought he did a good job keeping him in the game. He didn't crack. So, yeah, his mental game was there. Yeah, and he really, I mean, he he did his best to put the team on his shoulders, you know. Their rushing game wasn't really nowhere to be found. Through for 346 and 3, you know, it's just like, you know, the, he took five sacks in this one. And so, you know, there's only so much you can do going forward uh, with, with that. And, um, yeah, so what do you guys think? Is uh, Aaron Rodgers a Packer in 2021? I don't see why not. Um, I think more talk that he's not is probably just talk. You have to consider that the NFL is clearly designed with me and my worst intent, my worst outcome in mind, what's worst for me. So it's very clear that Aaron Rodgers will be a Patriot next year. I thought he was going to be a Bronco. 
Ah, that would yeah. that would be worse that would for suck you. Too. Good lord, that division would be yoked in terms of quarterbacks. Except that, didn't my. someone come up with like this like a most ridiculous trade? I think I saw somewhere on Twitter where they were having having that go to the Broncos for like Drew Locke or something, and it's just like, huh? This there was. I saw. I, I it was a. Dish, I think it was. Um, the Lions? I don't I don't know. Lions fans are going real crazy. No, it was um forget what it was, because I remember commenting on it and I was like, the twelve and Fred Warner for Stafford is way too much. It was Drew Locke and two third round picks for Matthew Stafford. I was like, nobody wants Drew Locke. Drew Locke isn't good. Drew Locke is bad. I called him Bargain Bin Jay Cutler the other day. Yeah, he's not yeah, a good yeah, yeah, there you go. I I, I wouldn't say he's well, maybe, yeah, pretty, yeah, I agree with that. Sure, <laughs> yep. that makes sense. Loves to go deep, can't really complete it going deep. Doesn't seem to care. We'll run it a little bit. Um, yeah, a bargain bit, and he's a Bronco, so you know, bargain basement Jay Cutler. So, uh, yeah. So my question for this game was about Aaron Jones because I pointed out Aaron Jones went under seventy-five total yards three times this year. Tampa Bay allows, I believe, it was the second fewest yards per touch to running backs on the season. Uh, Aaron Jones had 34 yards. The entire uh, Tampa Bay running back core had 67 yards rushing. They ended up with about um, 100, just over 100 yards total between Jamal Williams, A.J. Dillon, and Aaron Jones. So, no, they did not pull it off. And it, it's that running Bay run defense that is just major. They were the best in the league this year. And it really kind of led the way because, um, you know, uh, 16 carries for 67 yards just isn't going to pull it off against uh, Tom Brady throwing three touchdowns and Leonard Fournette with the biggest big boy run um, of the playoffs I think so far um, for that touchdown he was just he wasn't going to be denied um, and then it was a bigger big boy run by AJ Dillon later in the game if you guys saw that he was stacked up and then he went full quadzilla and just slammed his way through for for a first down it was a an interesting run um other than that things uh we didn't talk about mvs i think what do you guys think did mvs add three rounds of value to his adp next year i'd say he's going to be a ninth round pick now because he went four for 115 and touchdown in the championship game yeah he looked good i mean he always does when he catches the ball yeah that's the problem <laughs> you know he's a good uh route runner in you know it's just hands are just so inconsistent yeah i tweeted out on the on the the 50 yard catch i said marcus valdez gambling with another brutal dr- wait what because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh yeah you're just used to mvs just having these brutal drops where they just hit him in the bread basket and it just bounces out but he he actually caught it and did well Devonte adams nine for 67 and touchdown robert tunyon four for 22 and touchdown aaron Rodgers just went to his guys with the running game you know not working so we'll see how that goes next year with both or with aaron jones as a free agent um and with this you know question mark surrounding aaron Rodgers. i'm with mike i'm i'm of the opinion aaron Rodgers will be back um mostly because uh there's a lot of reports that everybody says that jordan love isn't ready yet he may not have been the right pick there uh, it might not be a Favre to Rogers situation. They keep saying, you know, he's he's not looking good in practice. So with more beat writers in practice next year, hopefully we can see a little bit more uh, behind the scenes for the Packers. Well, Favre uh, the- Rogers took three seasons, too. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. You're right that he may just need, a, uh, you know, more seasoning. And um, 
Aaron Rodgers might not, might be uh, reticent to uh, teach the kid a thing or two, so that might stun his production or his uh, development. So we'll see. Uh, for the Bucks, what we didn't talk about, um, the spinner landed on Chris Godwin in this game, five for one ten. Uh, Mike Evans got a little runoff, three for fifty one. Gronk did almost nothing. Cam Brate scored a touchdown. Scotty Miller scored a touchdown. There was no Antonio Brown in this game. Uh, Leonard Fournette. Um, I don't know if they're getting everything out of him while they can because they just basically gave him the ball and said, it's your ball. Go with it. Uh, 12 for 55 in addition to five receptions for 20 or for 19 yards. Um, Ronald Jones did almost nothing. 10 for 16. Um, very interesting the way he's been kind of set aside um, at the end of the year. So, all right, Tampa Bay going to the playoffs or going to the Super Bowl. I'm really excited to see what Tom Brady is like in a Super Bowl. It's not something that I've seen for half of my adult life. For Maybe my Ronald t- Jones has tired legs. <laughs> the jet mckinnon excuse yeah he's just got tired legs and uh you know what's funny is i was looking at uh ronald jones this year and everybody's like well ronald jones took a step forward and ronald jones's per carry stats are almost exactly the same as they or per touch stats are almost exactly the same they were in um 2019 is 2020 he just got more touches so he's still the same back he was in 2019 which was decent enough but you know he's not taking that step forward like everybody expects I guess the good thing to say about that is that since they increased the workload, even though the results are pretty much the same, increased workload means he can handle the increased workload. So you can look at that as a, a positive. Yeah, that's a positive. You know, he's 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 uh, he's taken a step forward by not taking a step back, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Let's go ahead. Let's go on to the AFC championship game. Chiefs win 38 to 24. Stop me if you've heard this one before. The Chiefs come storming back. In the second quarter, <laughs> while behind by double digits in the playoffs. Stop me if you've heard that one before. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop you just for the health of, of your heart. It's <laughs> every single game with these Chiefs. They're down by double digits, and they come storming back in the playoffs. Every single game. I'm tired of the Chiefs. Actually, no. It's it's. I'm trying really hard to not do to the Chiefs what I do with the Warriors, where they're so good that I get tired of them, and I get sick of them. The Chiefs are fun, Okay. I, I hate, you know, I'm an NFC fan, so I have a little bit of, you know, independence compared to you guys. And Evan, I know you have to root against the Chiefs, but being a Raiders fan, but they're fun. OK, it's preposterous how not only is a player wide open on every single play, uh, Patrick Mahomes finds that player on every single play. It feels like there's just a guy wide. It's like, well, what you know, why? Why is anybody guarding Travis Kelsey? It's like, OK, so we guard Travis Kelsey. It's like, why is anybody guarding Tyree Kill? It's like, OK, why is anybody guarding one of these other wide receivers? It's uh, you know what? Um, Pat Mahomes is good. And I'm sure going to try really hard to not do to them what I did to the Warriors uh, past tense dynasty. Mike, take that. Evan, you said if your least favorite person, Tom Brady, plays your arch rival Chiefs, can we all just admit that you're in some Truman Show hell world where everything is designed to piss you off? And Evan? Yep. Well, the hell world, buddy. <laughs> Have I told you about my company that shorted billions of dollars of GameStop stock? <laughs> Again, we're billionaires, SEC. Just, I just want to reinforce that narrative. Yeah, I'm sitting here for the last week trying to figure out who I want to lose more, and I can't do it. I'm rooting for a lightning storm. It's Tom Brady. I'm tired of Tom Brady. I have Tom Brady fatigue. I I spend all the time being like, why don't people just recognize the greatness of living in the LeBron James era? And then I turn around and I'm like, I swear to God, if Tom Brady makes one more Super Bowl, I'm going to jump off a ledge. <laughs> and it's the same thing, you know. It's 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 I'm tired of Tom Brady, and I don't care if it makes me hypocritical that you know he's the LeBron James of of uh, 
Football? I'm tired of Tom Brady. Go Chiefs. I don't care okay, what they do. And then I can throw this in the pile. It was really nice that the Raiders were the only team that beat Kansas City. I'm not counting Week 17. That oh. felt good. So I can get that again if they win the Super Bowl. Yeah, you can you uh you you can say yeah well we beat the Super Bowl champs so transitive therefore transitive trans- champions transitive champions that's right Mike who are you rooting for in this one? Well, I'm not rooting for the well you know it's tough because it's like I, I hate I hate Tom Brady this is the first we Super all do Bowl. <laughs> uh, yeah I mean he joined the club um this is I think the first Super Bowl he's been in where there's not been some kind of controversy on how he got there uh and. You know, Bruce uh, uh, Bruce Arians Super Bowl. I you know it was great to see um, the Kansas City Chiefs head coach win it last year. Mm-hmm. But Andy, yeah, Andy Reid. Yeah, and then so it would be great to see Bruce Arians win it this year. But I hate Tom Brady. So um, yeah, I I'm, I'm gonna go with the Chiefs. Chiefs win it back to back. They're they're two time Super Bowl champions back to back. So that's just I I don't see. Buccaneers winning this game, so I'm gonna go with the team that I that is gonna win. I'm gonna be a bandwagoner this year. I'm gonna go Chiefs. Yeah, I'm bandwagoning the Chiefs just because I'm sick and tired of touchdown Tom Brady. Guys, I'm gonna count them out. I'm gonna count out touchdown Tom. That has never worked out for me ever. <laughs> I yeah, I could count the times on my hand that it's ever worked out for me. I mean, I've seen what four four playoff um, like three AFC Championship games against. The Colts and the Patriots with Tom Brady and the Colts lose three of the four. So, yeah, it's. Do you know what's, what's funny is the one time I didn't count out touchdown Tom. One time I didn't count out touchdown Tom was when uh, I think it was Peyton Manning and the Broncos went to the Super Bowl. It was for my bachelor party. We went to Tahoe and I put money down. I was like, don't never count out touchdown Tom. And I was obnoxiously saying that all weekend. <laughs> I should have counted out touchdown Tom ridiculous all right wasn't that like probably the worst like game like that was that was like the biggest blowout he probably was in in in, like all championship games and it was and people were like is tom brady done should tom brady retire after that that was yeah it was it was that game and i was like great the one time i don't count out touchdown tom i think kansas city and obviously i'm not the first one who had this analysis but i think kansas city has an advantage in that tampa bay's strongest strongest Asset besides all world quarterback touchdown Tom Brady is their run defense, and Kansas City's like run the ball. What what what? How would that even work? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Kansas. That's what I was gonna say. Is that that part doesn't match up very well. And Mike, you're thinking of a different uh, Denver Patriots game. That was 2012 where they smacked him down. Uh-huh. Uh, he lost 18 to 20. So it was a close game. Oh okay. That's why I was, that was so cautious. That's why I was so obnoxious, because it was a close game. I was like, let's go, baby. Touchdown, Tom. <laughs> so which, uh, one, which one was the cl- – which one followed – which one was the blowout the first one, or was the blowout this? I think the blowout was the second game, right? The second uh, year? Uh, Yeah, so it was the second – Was no, 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 no. So the Tom Brady has played the uh, Broncos four times in the playoffs. Uh-huh. Two, 2006, 2012, 2000 – uh, or is this 2014, 2016? He got blown out in 2012. The other three games were somewhat close. Well, actually, first time was a two touchdown loss. Then he got blown out. Then he lost. He's never beaten the Broncos in the playoffs. Holy moly! Yeah, he's never beaten the Broncos in the play. Oh no, 45 to 10, he won. That was. He's never been blown out by the Broncos in the playoffs. 
Wow. Unless you count two touchdowns. I think there. Yeah, I think I think that that might have been the one. Maybe they scored a touchdown late in the game, but I remember one being where they just it was over, like you know, at the start of the fourth quarter. So maybe they were up by like 21 points in the fourth quarter, and then they uh, scored a touchdown to make it a 14 point game or something. But yeah. 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 Anyways, yeah. The one time that I I I I did not count out touchdown Tom, he let me down. And then every other time I count out touchdown Tom. So maybe if I count him out, if I don't count him out this time, then I can reverse jinx him, and then uh, the Chiefs can win. Anyways, um, yeah. So for this one, Mike, uh, back to the analysis. You want to know if Josh Allen could handle the blitz? Yeah. You know, Josh Allen's been a great quarterback against the blitz uh heading into the championship game he's had the best best grade by pff take it what it's worth but 83.4 pff grade so he's he's been marvelous um against the blitz overall day 28 for 48 uh not so great and 287 yards with the touchdown i think he has just one touchdown or was it two touchdowns two touchdowns uh, one interception, but how well did he handle the blitz? That was my question. So he went from going from an 83.4 PFF grade going into Sunday. How well did he handle that against the Chiefs? Well, that dropped down to 45.5. Oh no, PFF grade. Uh, yeah, so he did not handle it at all, uh, and that's one of the big reasons why. The Chiefs just took it to the Bills uh, pretty much all game uh, on Sunday. Yeah, it's weird to say this, that, you know, Buffalo was up by 12. You know, they're up 12 to nothing. It didn't feel close. It felt like you were just waiting for the Chiefs to come through and just hammer slam them. And that's exactly what happened. You know, it was there was nine. So, yeah, it was nine nothing after the first quarter. Then after the second quarter, it's 21 to 12. It's like, OK, well, game's over then because then it's, you know, 31 to 24. And then they. 30 make it 38 to 24 it's just like they just super slammed them and and yeah josh allen you know we'll see if you know this is the uh the bulls against the pistons you know in it, it we'll see if this is the bulls against the pistons in the late 80s or this is the bulls against the knicks in the 90s where the bills just can't get past the chiefs or if this is their excuse me if this is their learning experience for them to you know toughen up and grow and then uh you know go on from there so we'll definitely see how that goes um my question excuse me sorry i have some hiccups jeez uh my question was uh i actually had two questions because i thought they would be little ones uh well pat Mahomes' toe because uh, he had a toe injury everybody was so worried about his uh um his neck slash concussion symptoms um that we forgot that he was dealing with some turf toe, uh, five carries, five yards. He was, you know, decent enough in the pocket, but you know, they didn't really get after him too much. They sacked him one time for no loss. So it was just a, you know, just one sack there. And, um, my other question was, is, uh, could the bills stop Travis Kelsey? Cause they were worse in the league in receptions to tight ends. And they were second worst in the league in, in stopping yardage to tight ends. And Travis Kelsey went off. That's that's off with some stank on it. 13 for 118 and two touchdowns. They did not stop Travis Kelsey. They didn't even come close to stopping Travis Kelsey. 13 of 15 for 118 and two is, you know, that's that that superstar. That's what you want your superstars to do in the playoffs. And the Bills did nothing to stop them. And it was the difference in the game. Uh, 14 points. So 
Uh, no, they could stop, not stop Travis Kelsey. Uh, Tyree killed the Tyree kill things. Uh, Daryl Williams, 13 for 52 and a touchdown. Um, uh, Josh Allen led all rushers with 88 yards rushing. That's kind of Josh Allen doing Josh Allen things uh, with an interception in there. And let's see. And no fumble. I thought he had a fumble. What am I thinking of? I don't know. Cole Beasley, um, seven for 88 on nine targets. Stefan Diggs, six for 77 on 11 targets. So, all right, guys, I think that puts the championship games to rest, right? Is there anything else you guys want to talk about for the AFC championship game? No. (laughs) Absolutely not. So, all right, let's turn to the thing that all of us have been wanting to do, kind of buzz through those championship games, because uh, we want to talk about some lessons we learned this season. So this is always, uh, we did this last year as well. In fact, mine kind of builds on one of my lessons I learned last year. But it's always nice to reflect on the season and see, you know, what, what, what lessons you learned that you can then roll forward into the following season so that you, uh, you don't lose the same way twice. There's a, uh, there's a folk saying that um, I kind of stand by. It was I, I read it in in the uh, Super System by uh, um, God. I'm completely uh, blanking on his name. Doyle Brunson. Uh, oh, you're talking about poker, yeah. Yeah, Do- Doyle Brunson Super System. His uh, poker. He has a uh, folk saying in there that says, "When you lose, don't lose the lesson." So if things don't go right for you, don't forget why they didn't go right. So basically, don't make the same mistake twice. So that's that's kind of like why I like to look at the uh, uh, prior season and, and take out some lessons there. And so um, let's start with Mike. Mike has uh, Mike. Which one of your lessons do you want to start with here? Um, let's go with um, the first round is more about the right player than the better player. Yeah. So this was one that I was curious about with the distinction between right player and better player. So when if we're looking at say um last year the 2020 uh fantasy football draft uh people had say chris mccaffrey um as the top running back michael thomas top wide receiver patrick mahomes or lamar jackson if they went in the first round as top quarterback but as the season went on what we saw was that they weren't the best quarterbacks that Josh Allen and Murray were the better quarterbacks and Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook because of injury and maybe just because of better play. Even if Christian McCaffrey played the whole season, Kamara could have had a better result. We don't know. Uh, Michael Thomas injury too, but he didn't really have the great season anyways. In eight games, he had one touchdown. Um, Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill were the better decisions. So, it's not always like looking back at the one season and go, well, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback coming into this year. And Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback or Lamar Jackson or Christian McCaffrey. Not look at what they were the previous year, but looking at what the players can do for their team this season. And if if you look at what they can do this season instead of what they did last season, then you might come away with the right player over the better player. All right. No, that's a good, that's a good lesson. Um, Evan. uh, I think, uh, I think what you just said there argues uh, the other way. Uh, If you take out McCaffrey and Barkley, because they got injured, the uh, next three guys gone off the board were, uh, 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 
Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, and Alvin Kamara. They did great. Uh, if Michael Thomas wasn't injured in, in the brain, uh, or Michael Thomas was injured in, in, in his brain, and the next players off the board, which you mentioned, uh, uh, Tyreek Hill and Devonta Adams did great. Uh, I definitely agree with you with the don't trust the number one quarterback thing, though. Are we the ones who tout the fact that the number one quarterback is repeated like once or something? Yeah, it's, it's it's not something that you can uh, that you can bank on. It's not it's not a, a reliable finish because it's usually some outlier touchdown production that gets you there. Yeah. So in fact, that actually rolls into my first thing. Uh, I don't mean to backseat moderate, but this rolls right in my first thing, which go. is because of Michael Thomas, because of Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley, there are. In fantasy football, looking forward to fantasy football auctions, or I, I think they're going to go with salary cap drafts moving forward. So if I use those terms, uh, know that they're interchangeable. Uh, when you go to your uh, 2021 fantasy football salary cap draft, there's going to be two or three people at the table who are gun-shy for going all in on the top players because they did it last year, and it hurt them. Don't be those guys. Don't be those players. Go all in on the guys. If you're doing barbecue... Don't shy away from getting the top player if they're a player you love. Uh, because, like I pointed out, the ones that didn't get injured did fine. I think that the top two or three players in every fantasy football, in most fantasy football uh, uh, salary cap drafts, and of course when I mock, I'll, I'll, I'll figure this out, are going to go for a little less than they did last year uh, 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 based on uh, not only no one's Christian McCaffrey, but taking that aside, uh, and that's because uh, two or three people are going to be gun shy. Now you may be saying there's 12 people in my league, there's 14 teams in my in my league. Uh, yes, but keep in mind that the two or three people that are going to be gun shy because they got burned last year were the people who bid out outbid everyone for the top running back, for the number two running back, for the top wide receiver. Not everyone there is like YOLO, gung ho, all in on the top guy, and you are going to have two or three people fewer that actually are willing to push and just get whomever they want past market value. Uh, so I, if anything, I'm saying steer into the skid and go and focus on maybe getting more of the top players. And I'm eager for salary cap drafts to open up for mocks, which will be like four months from now. I'm way ahead of the game because I'm really going to test this. I'm, I'm predicting that it's going to happen. They're going to go for less and you should get them. Yeah, that's a good point is that the people who went gung-ho on, on players – like Michael Thomas, like Saquon Barkley, like Christian McCaffrey, are going to be a little bit more gun-shy this year. And in, in a salary crap draft, I think I said salary crap draft. <laughs> That's one way to put it. Yeah, in a salary cap draft, um, that means uh, less money is coming out for them, which means if you want to spend more money, you can you can hop all over those. So, uh, yeah. So, Evan, you, you're you're modifying your barbecue strategy. And I do like that. Um, you, you keep it changing every year because it's not just about punching with auction or with salary cap strategy. It's about counter punching as well. Right. And right now I, I have it written down in pencil, mind you. Currently considering lowering what I consider you should spend the top two players you love from 130 to 120 because of this. Oh, interesting. So you 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 push more money upwards. Yeah, because there's 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 uh, if if what I say holds true, and and who knows, we have four months of market adjustment to happen. Then yeah, you'll be able to get those top players for you know, especially if you go on for for the highest ones for maybe for maybe ten dollars less total than they would be marketed for in two thousand and twenty. 
God, it's okay. so hard to think about 2020 in the rear view now. Oh, it's so nice. <laughs> yeah. Did anything happen in 2020? Nothing. There was, there was one Most or two year in human history. Yeah, right. May live in interesting times is never... I, I never quite understood that curse until 2020. Um, so, all right. Uh, I'll talk about the first thing that I learned, which is Tin Stabber. Uh, do either one of you guys pay a lot of attention to uh, baseball online? No. Okay. So there's, uh, uh, Evan, I already know the answer for you. So there's a, a term, it's coined baseball prospectus, and I believe 2015, it was called TINSTAP. And uh, what it stands for, it's T-I-N-S-T-A-A-P-P. What TINSTAP means is there is no such thing as a pitching prospect. The, the thought behind that is pitching, uh, young pitchers are so volatile, and so many of them flame out that there is no point in holding in, in counting your chickens before they hatch at pitching. So there's no such thing as a pitching prospect. What tin stabber for me means is there is no such thing as a bounce back running back. They don't exist. If you control for injury. So obviously next year, Christian McCaffrey is going to bounce back. Or if you control for workload, let's say Kareem Hunt gets traded somewhere and he gets a full workload. Okay. Those running backs exist. But before this year, we talked about falling knife running backs. Guys who were like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this guy to value because if he bounces back, look out. So what I did was I looked up, I Googled 2020 bounce back running backs. And then I wrote down a list of guys uh, from, I, I collected Dynasty Nerds, Roto-Wire, Pro Football Focused, Razball, MSN, The Fantasy Authority, Bleacher, Bleacher Report, and Roto-Baller. I got rid of guys that didn't show up on multiple lists. I got rid of guys that weren't bounce backs. I don't understand how David Montgomery could be a bounce back. He's a sophomore. And um, I got rid of injury guys. That left me, left me with a list of five guys. You can probably guess who they are. Todd Gurley, James Conner, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson. Oddly enough, Chris Carson. Probably should have controlled for injury for him. But those five guys. Those five guys all went between... Uh, um, running back 16 and running back 23 so they were the running back middle you know that that running back to like oh you know if they bounce back you know things will be things will be good uh position lev bell tanked chris carson returned value david johnson went up five spots james connor and todd Gurley both lost eight spots of rank there's no bounce back there there's 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 don't don't try to catch these falling knives I, I talked myself into it this year with Lev Bell, talked myself into it with James Conner, and to a lesser extent, David Johnson a little bit, because we were, Mike, it turned out we were both higher than consensus on David Johnson, because we had him 20 and 21, and he was 23. I, I talked into it myself a little bit, and Todd Gurley even, saying, oh man, those touchdowns, just, just don't. If you find yourself saying, if this guy gets back to what he was before, he got old, just don't do it. Just don't do it. There's no point. We saw it in 2019 with, with Devonta Freeman as well, where it's these guys that they're aging and they are going to run into some sort of uh, talent wall or carries wall. And just there's no such thing as a bounce back running back. I, I go brought that up because it reminds me of something applicable that I didn't mention that's very important for my, hey, go all in on the top players again this year. Uh, people often answer that with, well, if they get injured, that tanks my team. Well, what week did Christian McCaffrey get injured? Week two. What week did Saquon Barkley go down for season? Week two. Who had their breakout week two? James Robinson. So the people that had had McCaffrey and 
or Saquon overwhelmingly put all of their fab dollars on Robinson and everything worked out fine. You know, what's the saying? Uh, necessity is the mother of invention. So, yeah. Back to you, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, and one thing that I'm 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 gonna try to shake myself of as a corollary to that in 2021 is not worrying so much about injury. Don't play for upside. Play to win. Don't play to not lose. So worrying about injuries as much as I have in the past is playing to not lose. Going well, I can't draft this guy because he'll get hurt. It is a brutal game. Drew Brees popped his lung and broke 11 ribs. It is a brutal game. It is a brutal sport. People will get hurt. So you just got to roll with the punches and go with it. And uh, to finish my point uh, with uh, the guys who went between Chris Carson and David Johnson, the first and last of this tier that got drafted, uh, other players, A.J. Brown, Jonathan Taylor, and Calvin Ridley. D.K. Metcalf, Darren Waller, and Stefan Diggs all went in the round following David Johnson. So uh, there are better players to take there. Don't try to catch these falling knife running backs, hoping they bounce back because there is no such thing as a bounce back running back. There are running backs who recover from injury. There are running backs who find additional workload again, but there is not a running back that bounces back from getting old. It doesn't happen. Well, I guess you could say you can avoid rounds four through six altogether for running backs. You could. And that's uh, what made me think of this is Ben Gretsch, who writes for CBS now, uh, wrote about the running back dead zone. And I kind of dis disagree with the running back dead zone because that's where you find Jonathan Taylor. But there is a category of backs that go in that round, which is these bounce back running backs. So, yeah, Mike, you're right. Uh, don't take the guys going in that round unless they're upside guys like Jonathan Taylor. I would say avoid rounds four through six altogether and do a fantasy football auction. Barbecue okay. strategy. <sighs> Thank you, Evan. <laughs> All right, let's 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 roll back around. Mike, what is your second lesson that you learned uh, this year? You know, one of the trends that I've noticed, especially being, I mean, I'm close to 30 years now playing fantasy football. And for the majority of those 30 years, there was always players that you stuck from 1-1 to 1-3 to 1-5. I mean, every single year. Uh, you knew who the first pick was. You knew LT. LT. <laughs> uh, Larry John. LJ. Larry Johnson. I mean, uh, you, you always knew, right, who these picks yeah. were going to be. What I've noticed lately is that picks one through one through one through five, there there isn't such a thing anymore. Um, well, I could give you a list of names: McCaffrey, Cook, Kamara, Barkley, Henry. Now, okay, so. Can any of you tell me who you would pick at 101? I mean, you might lean more McCaffrey at 101, but you can make a case for any of these guys to be the 101, and a very serious case. Mm -hmm. You can make a case for one. You can make a case for McCaffrey to be the 15 and Henry to be the 11. I mean, you. So it, it's just like these are these players are in a range, and I it's it's no more correlated to the to the number of pick anymore it's more correlated to tiers and i think tiers are what we need to assign ourselves with more than saying okay this guy is the one one and you know comparable to the these guys are in a group of tiers yeah it's it's one of those things where you know mike that the lt years the uh, larry johnson years those were the years that i started to play fantasy football and that was when you would get get in the draft room and be like yes i got one one i'm getting lt 
This is I'm going to put it on easy mode, you know? Yep. And at this point now going into draft year, you almost would prefer one five to one, one because you get the last guy of the tier, the, the top tier, and you get to pick again first. So you get the, the first of the guys that kind of slipped a little bit, uh, you know, going to the turn and back, you get a better second shot at it. And yeah, that's it's, 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 yeah, it's to the point where in 2020 drafts, I was hoping I got one four. So I just didn't have to think. Go on easy mode. Take whichever was left of Barkley, Kamara, and Zeke, because it was never Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey would always go top three. But and another thing too is that you don't have to kick yourself. It's like, yeah, well, they were already gone. What am I supposed to do? I, I had to go with what what was remaining on the plate. In you know, instead of like you won one and then you picked the wrong player, you had four of the players to choose from and you screwed up. Now you not only have an earlier draft pick in the second round, but now you don't have to blame yourself. And that's bl- one place where, hold on to your butts here, snake drafts are actually superior to fantasy football auctions. What? But, uh, in that fantasy football auctions, figuring out who's going to go with the lowest value in a tier is maddening. Sometimes it's the first player. It's never the last player, but it might be the second to last player. It's maddening. Whereas Mike just pointed out, in snake drafts, you're like, that. that's automatically shown because the people go in order. So that's gone. Uh, that's, that's yeah. Advantage. Yeah, and... um. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. Yeah, you, you know exactly when the guy's gone because you can see him leave. But that's one of the 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 things that made it difficult for me to get into auction for so long was it's like, well, I could potentially overpay for a guy in a tier and blah blah blah, and that's not optimal. So yeah, it it is the the one thing that it um, at this point snake drafts have a have a uh, a leg up on. So um, Mike, is there anything more you want to talk about your one one through one five? kind of tier argument no no i just just to hammer it home i just think that we need to start looking more at tiers and rankings yeah and to your to your point about kicking yourself remember all off season i said kamara was the 102 and then when the rubber hit the road i took saquon barkley at 102 yeah there you go right there you know and, and it's like that because you're forced it's like okay what happens if i miss out on barkley's you know year that he had his rookie year and you know kamara didn't really do much in 2000 19 and you know he's more solid and then you know boom but if barkley's gone already then you don't have to make that choice yep it's easy peasy you don't have to think about it so evan what is your second lesson that you learned about uh 2020 fantasy football you know and i'm gonna i come up with some ideas for things to write but i don't want to write uh uh my best ideas in may I want to write them in uh, August because that's when we can help the most people and get more popular. And this is what I'm definitely putting a pin in until August. Uh, I'm going to write an article called, Are You Tired of Losing Out in the First Round of the Playoffs Every Year? You Can Fix It with a Toolbox Bench. What I'm calling, I think I invented, called a Toolbox Bench. Uh, Two years ago in my big money league, I was sick of making the playoffs every year. Well, I wasn't sick of that, but I was sick of having having one title in 17 years. Uh, and so I looked at at the, my, my I went really over my last five seasons with the comb, where they went wrong, how they could have gone better, and I realized that uh, a big deal was I didn't have enough utility in my bench. It was it was just I, I picked the best players I thought, but really what I needed was 
three things. I need two to three players that are boring and have high floors that I can stick in as an emergency bi-week backup if things go wrong and they're not going to lose me the game. I need two to three players that uh, I'm going to sit on that could be great late season, like rookie running backs. And I mm-hmm. think I'm going to add rookie wide receivers to the list because they won championships. And then two to three players that are good backups, you know, like your handcuff running back or a guy that is one injury away from being good or or well, I'll define backups later as I told fully uh, uh, now that I realize it works. Uh, and not only did I win back-to-back championships, but, oh, hold on, I should. everyone's probably saying, Evan, my bench doesn't have six to nine spots. There's a lot of overlap. You know, there mm-hmm. are boring players with high floors that sometimes uh, if, are one injury away from 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 getting becoming a, a great player. You know, there's, there's a lot of overlap. So that's why my numbers seem wrong. But, uh, yeah, that really helped me through bye weeks. It helped me sustain a team that had gas in the playoffs. And uh, it helped me get the breakouts that, that win championships. So uh, I, I've learned – it solidified this year. This, this toolbox thing has legs in a way that barbecue strategy uh, – it, it may have legs in a way that barbecue strategy has over the past two years. So that's what, that's what I learned. Toolbox, Hold on. Bench. Your, your toolbox has legs? Yeah. Yeah, the metaphor kind of got got a little mixed there. <laughs> That's Evan. You you did a much better branding on what um what I was going to talk about as one of my strategies, and and I'll to get, kick it aside. One of my lessons learned, which is draft a player with a purpose and remember why you drafted that player. If you remember week two or three in the Discord, people were like, should I drop J.K. Dobbins? Should I drop Cam Akers? Should I drop Zach Moss? Should I drop you know the 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 speculative ads that you took specifically? to hold on to them. And, and that's, we kept saying, if you're going to drop this player, you shouldn't have drafted them in the first place. If you're going to drop them now, you know? So yeah. So right. One time, one, one key thing I looked at was a time I made the playoffs and lost. I had David Johnson and dropped him week 10. And that was his rookie year where he flipped out. And if I had had this toolbox strategy, I would have said, Oh no, like Jeff just pointed out, I drafted this guy for late season. This is a no drop. Yeah. If you draft somebody, draft them for a reason. And um, Evan, to your point, too, is I like to draft one of my sleeper guys is I like to draft a guy that I'll know right away if they're going to be good or not. A wide receiver that is might get extra volume. I'll know in three weeks if he's getting extra volume or not. If not, he's gone. You know, so so pick your guys with a reason. Pick them for a reason and then remember that reason. If you got a guy like, uh, like you said, J.K. Dobbins or David Johnson, you're looking at him, you're going, this guy is averaging three fantasy points per game, and it's week seven. It's like, well, you drafted him for week 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. If you can hang on to him, hang on to him. Don't just drop them to pick up, oh, God, who Ernest Johnson, because he was the flat, flash in the pan guy this year. You know, don't, don't do that. If you Talking about cap- spending a lot of fab on somebody. 41 out of my $100, buddy. And the fact that I won him made me realize that my team was not competing in the dynasty league that I was in and I blew it up. So, uh, so yeah, uh, at least I learned a lesson from that. You know, if you lose, don't learn, lose the lesson. That's, that's the thing. So, uh, but yeah, Durnus Johnson, 41 out of a hundred fab dollars. Yeah, buddy. All right. Um, my actual strategy that I wanted to talk about, um, was, um, let's talk about the Konami code quarterback. Do you guys know the Konami code quarterback? I think, and I could be wrong, is a Konami code is someone who is the quarterback that runs the ball quite often. Yes. Someone like Kyler Murray, that kind of player. Yeah. So um, the the term was 
uh, coined by Rich Rebar um, back in 2000 for the 2013 season. Um, and it, yes, Mike, that's exactly it. It refers to getting extra value out of uh, quarterbacks by getting quarterbacks who run, like maybe undervalued guys. But here's the problem. 2013, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, this is the, like the, the you know, yeah. It's, I'm, it's, I'm looking back at those years in the top, say, uh, rushers at that time. Cam Newton, Russell Wilson, Colin Kaepernick, Robert Griffin, Alex Smith, Andrew Luck, Geno Smith. Geno Smith, baby. Geno Smith, number seven. And then Michael Vick, Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. So what I did was I looked at this, and this is an article I wrote earlier about, because I think they've gone from a luxury to the necessity. Because think about think about the the top quarterbacks this year. You've got Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, all in the top 10. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady made a, made the other two. These guys don't fit the mold, but Aaron Rodgers threw, touched, threw 48 touchdowns and Tom Brady threw 40. So you can overcome the Konami code, but you need to, you know, you're throwing for at least 4,000 yards and 40 touchdowns to do it. And so what I did was I looked at every year how the, uh, landscape has changed and i did it by uh how what percent of a quarterback's production came through rushing so if they score 20 points a week and five of those points are from rushing they rush for 50 yards a week then 25 percent what i came up what i came up with was astonishing so three out of the last four years the top three quarterbacks averaged at least 16 percent of their scoring from rushing 2018 was weird it was a weird outlier it was only 7.3 percent um but before that it was um on average uh about nine percent of their 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 points came from rushing so it completely flip-flopped it it almost doubled um the amount that came from rushing and it and to hit a top 10 threshold you have the guys get about 17 percent of their rushing of their fancy points through rushing now in 2013 when rich rebar wrote the article it was 8.5 and it kind of hovered between seven and eight up until 2017 when it started to go up there's a corresponding drop if you look at guys that um get their fantasy points through uh you know the back end of the quarterbacks the number has gone down um, I'm sorry, 13 through 18. So your streaming quarterbacks, that number has gone down. That's your Matthew Stafford's, your Matt Ryan's, your uh, Kirk Cousins, your um, Derek, Carr. Derek Carr, who are good real life quarterbacks, but they don't run enough to get you the fantasy points. So the guys that rank 13 through 18, um, you know, those were the Konami code quarterbacks, 2014, 12.7% rushing, 12.2% 2015. Then it drops 7.8, 9.9. Uh, 8.7, 7.2, 8.3. You can see it, it It took a step down where your good quarterbacks who don't rush the football, good, not great quarterbacks who don't rush the football are your streaming quarterbacks, your quarterbacks 13 through 18 when the season ends. Your rushing quarterbacks are your top 10 quarterbacks, period. There are exceptions to the rule, but a Konami code quarterback has gone from a luxury to a necessity. If you look at most leagues, there is going to be a split between the haves and the have-nots. The guys who have a Konami Code quarterback and the guys who are streaming Kirk Cousins and and Derek Carr and you know trying to create some semblance of quarter of quarterback production 
um, on a week to week basis. Because if you got a Konami code quarterback, you set and forget. I set and forget Josh Allen this year. I sat and forget forgot uh, Justin Herbert. And um, I'm blanking on my other quarterbacks. But I, I got these Konami code quarterbacks and I just kicked back and relaxed because I didn't have to worry about it because I knew they were they gave me that floor. And I can see that that is what you have to do. So for the first time in about a decade, my quarterback strategy for 2021 has changed. I'm no longer going to sit back and just see what quarterback comes to me at what point in the draft. I'm going to make it a priority to get a Konami code quarterback. And I have a feeling, given that he's coming off of injury, I'm going to have a lot of Dak Prescott next year. A lot of Dak Prescott, given that he's coming off a catastrophic injury. So for the first time, I am really advocating going out and getting yourself a quarterback. Don't wait and see how the draft falls to you. Well, I was looking at this too, and there's uh, the top 12, the top 12 quarterbacks, only two um, did not have 200 or more yards rushing. Um, That was Aaron Rodgers, who had 150, let's just say 149 to be exact, and Tom Brady, who had six. Uh, (laughs) He only had six all year? Wow. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, wow. I was the same way. But, um, you know, so I, I think. But you know those are going to be top ten anyways, and so what? What do you? You know what I mean? It's just like you're going to get one regardless because you're going to pick, you know, one of those top ten, top twelve guys as uh as, as a quarterback to start, unless you're only going to go with backups. And then, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, um, the big ones that of course you want to stay away from is Cam Newton. He had 592, but I don't even know if he'll have a job next year. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't even look at Cam Newton. That 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 whole situation was a mess. <laughs> yeah, uh, Daniel Jones, 423 yards. Um, you know, you might earmark him for maybe like uh, one of those that could maybe surprise that you can get very late in in the draft that could maybe work for you that has a Konami code. Jalen Hurts is another one, depending on what Carson Wentz does. And then Taysom Hill, 453. But both Jalen Hurts had a great year at the end of the year. Taysom Hill was pretty solid as a fantasy quarterback um, when he filled in for Drew Brees. So, again, those two are, you know, stick to the point of what we're saying is the Konami code, the rushing yards, is very important and vital. Mm-hmm. There you go. Thank you for fleshing that out for me, Mike, with the Konami code quarterbacks who didn't make it. Yeah, <laughs> I guess we could say it's it's not a yeah, it's not a um, a uh, silver bullet to fantasy production, but it, it's turned into something that you definitely need to consider. One, because people are getting more savvy with it. And two, because there's so many more of them. I likened it to the Konami code starting with you getting extra lives in Contra. And now people are to, to connect with the kids. I said, they're getting all the guns and infinite ammo in Fortnite. If everybody's doing it, you got to do it just to keep up, you know? So it's, it's gone from, Hey, I can kick back and I can wait on a quarterback. Cause I can get in the 13th round. I can get Colin Kaepernick and he's not going to throw the ball that much, but boy, does he rush a lot. And so, you know what? Maybe he'll end up quarterback 10, but I'll have a starting quarterback every week. You can't do that anymore. That was the point that, yeah, Konami code QB went from luxury to necessity. So, Mike, what's your third lesson you learned this fine season? Uh, my, my third lesson is running backs that catch the ball are not necessarily the ones you will need in PPR leagues. Yeah, this one interested me because I'm, I'm curious. So I was looking at it this year, and, of course, PPR leagues, the whole reason why they – 
we have PPR leagues is for running backs that could catch the ball out of the backfield, give you extra points. And they were looking like at one time the Konami code back back when, um, you know, we talked about Larry Johnson catch the ball. LaDainian Tomlinson could catch the ball. And, you know, very few running backs actually were, you know, receivers out of the backfield. Um, now it appears that it doesn't matter if they could catch the ball out of the backfield or not. Um, so looking at points and as far as that ratio compared to receptions out of the backfield. So number one point wise, uh, Alvin Kamara, he was also number one in reception. So that that fits that fits that whole, you know, PPR mold is you want the guy is going to leave. So 83 receptions for Alvin Kamara led the league, led running backs. And he was the number one overall in PPR leagues. But then it gets interesting. J.D. McKissick, mm-hmm. number two. He was 33 um, overall in PPR leagues. Michael Davis, uh, 59 receptions. He was 15th. Naheem Hines, 24th in PPR leagues. Chase Edmonds, 31st in PPR leagues. And another one that fit the role at uh, number six, James Robinson. Um, He was fourth in um, receptions. Or sixth in receptions, but fourth overall. So... You know, Neheim Hines played, finished fourth in receptions, but he was 24th overall in PPR leagues. So it's it's sort of going backwards. It's it's not working the way that we think it's going to be as these guys are two RB2s and RB3s. So if you're looking at players that catch the ball, running backs that catch the ball, look at them to be an RB2 and RB3. Don't look at them to be an RB1 anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, I took a different uh, look at J.D. McKissick for the what to remember for the Washington football team. But, yeah, it's it's um, they are sort of like the old way that we looked at Konami code where it's like, OK, well, I'll get a running back two out of these guys. You know, this extra production, not like, uh, you know, th- I'm going to I'm going to cheat my way into getting a top 10 running back like a, like James White has been. You know, it's it's a uh, it's yeah, that's a very interesting look at it. Now I understand your thing about what you said, Evan. How do you feel about that? It's interesting. It's interesting. It's hard for me to have fully formed takes because that was kind of new to me. That data. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel too. <laughs> it's like one of those things where you kind of tilt your head and you're like, huh? How about that? All right. So, Mike, you, you stunned us into silence. No, it's <laughs> it's it's definitely something that I'm like, I, I didn't think about or didn't even realize. And, and now I have to, you know, churn it through my brain and then then I can get back to you. So, Evan, while we're while I'm churning, why don't you uh, uh, tell us your third lesson that you learned this year? My third lesson is that watching tape is as rewarding as it is exhausting, which is yeah. really for both of them. Uh, I've shared this anecdote a bunch of times, but I'm pretty sure I've never shared it on the podcast. But uh, I was—I had to watch tape from last season because there was no preseason tape, and I really wanted to figure out what if there was a correlation that breakout quarterbacks had for fantasy, so I could get two of them because those always go for like five bucks or less in an in, in auction. So I wanted to get the right ones, and so I watched Patrick Mahomes, and I watched 
Kyler Murray, who we all, we, even though he didn't break out yet, we all knew he was going to break out. And, and yeah. don't forget, uh, you might look and see Kyler Murray sixth overall, but he got injured in that last game. Had he played, he would have been fourth or third. And at one point, he was number one. We all knew he was going to break out. So I watched a lot of tape of them. And then I watched a lot of tape of uh, the Jameis Winstons and the Marcus Mariotas to figure out what was going on that was different. And I noticed that the quarterback drops back and they got a bounce to him. You know, they, they bounce up and down. And I noticed that Mahomes and Murray, if their primary read is covered, you can tell because they've turned their neck, uh, they'll keep the bounce at the same pace. They're just going through their reads. Uh, and, and, and the thing these all have in common is they're all running quarterbacks, which ties into what you're saying now, which is every quarterback's a running quarterback, so it's almost universal. Whereas, uh, whereas Winston and Mariota, if their first read or and or their second read was covered they would start hopping up and down like it's uh it's it's the line to the bathroom at bottomless soda night they were going to <laughs> rely on their feet because that does very well in college and it doesn't do very well for making the leap in if in pro in real life or fantasy you have to be willing to take the hit and just learn to go through reads learn to get better at reads learn to do these things where you're not like okay i'm, I'm bouncing up and down more i gotta run and so i then watched josh allen whom was already a good fan on fantasy radars after finishing top 10 last year but josh allen didn't do the giddy up the josh allen bounced at the same same tempo. And that's how I figured out, okay, I'm going to get Josh Allen in most of my leagues here. This guy's got what it takes. Well, do you know how many hours of tape I had to watch before I figured that out? Like, One. that was the first thing I went to. I was like, maybe it's their rotation. Maybe it's something to do with their neck size. I had to watch so much tape just to know what fantasy quarterback I liked. It is exhausting. And you have to watch all 16 or so games every week and the all 22s, sometimes twice, you know, to figure out what guys are. It, 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 it's led to fantasy championships and it's led to us giving great advice. But wow, there is so much tape to watch. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things where you end up watching hours of tape so that you remember one thing for, you know, 15 seconds um, on a podcast, you know, or, or one line in an article. It's it's there's a lot of uh, work that goes on behind the scenes. I did research for an hour to write one line of something for the what to remember. So, yeah, Which is why if you want to be good at fantasy, let us do the listen to us. Let, let us do the watching for you. We'll save you dozens of hours every week. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of work that goes into knowing stuff and being good. And it's, 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 uh, but it's all worth it in the end. That's the thing is it's all worth it. And um, yeah. So uh, I'll go ahead. Let's uh, I'll go to my third thing that I, that I uh, learned this year and I'm trying to decide what it should be. Um, I think it's going to be, there's a lot of paths to a wide receiver three. So I looked at I was looking at the wide receiver ranks this year, the the ending ranks, and I'll just go I'll go down them uh, really quick. I'm not gonna you know belabor each point, but it's 25 to 36: Deontay Johnson, Curtis Samuel, T. Higgins, Robbie Anderson, Corey Davis, Chris Godwin, Marquise Brown, Brandon Ayuk, Cole Beasley, Cooper Cup, Michael Gallup, and Tyler Boyd. And then I broke them up into uh you know how they got there. Deontay Johnson was a breakout. Uh, Curtis Samuel was uh, a breakout. Uh, T. Higgins, rookie breakout. Robbie Anderson, breakout. Uh, Corey Davis, post-type sleeper. Chris Godwin was a bust. Marquise Brown hit ADP. 
He was wide receiver 32 off the board. He ended wide receiver 31. Uh, Brandon Ayuk was a rookie breakout. Cole Beasley was volume-based production. Cooper Cup was a bust. Michael Gallup, Tyler Boyd both came close to hitting their ADP. Uh, they were wide receiver 29, 30 off the board, ended up 35 and 36. There were fewer busts in there than I thought. But you can see there's a lot of ways to get to a wide receiver three. And I think I looked at ADP of these guys and I am going, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to get two very good wide receivers and then a bunch of guys that I think might break out with air yards. Cause R- Robbie Anderson, and Curtis Hamill were two guys that I narrowed in on because of air yards last year. And they were wide receiver 26 and wide receiver 28. Um, rookie rookie breakouts, T Higgins and Brandon Ayuk, Deontay Johnson, lots of targets. And those guys did great. I would be, I'm happy if I had a, a Brandon Ayuk or a T Higgins or a Corey Davis. I'm not happy if I had a Tyler Boyd or a Michael Gallup or a Marquise Brown, especially because guys like Michael Gallup were dropped. They, he snuck back into wide receiver three towards the end of the year. So getting these guys like wide receiver 25 through wide receiver 35, I don't know how many of them I'm going to get. But if you look at the unfulfilled air yards, which is how I got to Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson, there are some good guys you can target in there. Jerry Judy, Chase Claypool, Marquise Brown's in there, Darnell Mooney, Robbie Anderson is back in there, Terry McLaurin, but Terry McLaurin's more of a wide receiver too. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling if he gets his act together. There's a lot of ways to get to a wide receiver three. And I think drafting a wide receiver three is the least efficient way to do it. If that makes sense. Yeah. That's the fundamental rule of barbecue. <laughs> don't, don't reach on the 25 to 35s. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's not only is it barbecue, but you can see it's barbecue in action with snake drafts. So, uh, so yeah, it's just, I guess taking barbecue, it's barbecue uh, reapplied. It's a critical barbecue theory. <laughs> Looking it's going at fan- beyond barbecue now, it's getting it's, too big it's for some little for system. All right, let's uh, let's go one more round through. Let's let's talk one more uh, lesson that we learned, and then we'll get out of here. Let the folks get on with their weekend. So, Mike, what is the last lesson that you learned of from 2020 fantasy football? So it is the time of the rookies, as you know. Well, we won't have a com- combine this year, but we will have, you know, scouting pro days and things like that. And we're, you know, revving up for the draft. And so I wanted to look at what position can you trust more? Can you trust the running backs as rookies, or can you trust the wide receivers as rookies? And I came away with you can far more trust the running backs than you can the wide receivers and the data that I pulled and it's simplistic, but the top 24, 25 top 25 players um, for running backs and wide receivers. There was six uh, top 25 running backs. There was four wide receivers, but the distribution of the six and the four, which was really, I thought was pretty, pretty, uh, you know, well thought out. So number four, James Robinson. Then you have eight, Taylor, 13, Gibson, 19, CEH, who missed, you know, a handful of games. And then DeAndre Swift wasn't even used until the end of the year, really, you know, midway point. And then J.K. Dobbins obviously wasn't used to the end of the year, and he finished 25th. As far as wide receivers, 
they were all used. Uh, Justin Jefferson at nine, Claypool 15, CD Lamb 19. I, I think CD Lamb would have definitely finished in the top 10 if Dak Prescott played the whole season, but he, you know, completely dropped off the cliff once Prescott was out for the year. And then 21, which was kind of surprising, T. Higgins finished 21st. So I think more if six players to four players doesn't seem like a lot, but the groupings of, you know, the top 15 heavily weighs towards the running backs where it completely falls to the other side for wide receivers. So going into next year, if you're debating between drafting a running back and a wide receiver, go with the rookie running back. Yeah, and that's – um. I did some research going into the year uh, about I broke every rookie who finished as a top 36 wide receiver in their their first season up. I looked at their games. I broke it up into four quarters of the season. So um, so, you know, we games one through four, games five through eight, games nine through 12, games 13 through 16. And over the last decade, two running or two wide receivers have put up. uh uh top 36 uh no sorry double digits in each of all four quarters if that makes sense so they averaged at least 10 points and half ppr in all four quarters of the season michael thomas and justin jefferson so if you get a, a wide receiver who starts hot trade him if you get a rookie wide receiver who starts slow trade for him they're not going to be good all year mike like you said you, you can't trust them but they they should be good for a spell so you can either so those are the, the 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 players that I am actively trying to sell high because I know I know from my own research that the crash will come, or actively try to buy low because I know a slow starter has a chance to finish hot at the end of the year. So yeah, you can't trust them for all four quarters of the season, but you can trust them at some point. But yes, I am agreeing with you, Mike. I am breaking towards rookie running backs over rookie wide receivers in the same draft slot going forward. You know, and I was, I forget who it was. Um, it was an ex-head coach. Um, it was on a podcast, I think, a year ago. And they're describing the the football intricacies. And he was, like, talking about rookies and, you know, breaking, breaking in and why it's easier for some players comparable to other players. And he was saying that the farther away you go from the ball, the harder it is for that position to grasp. And... If you're looking comparably to a wide receiver to running back, you you obviously can see that the wide receiver is much farther away from the ball than the running back. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, I always thought it was tight end was the hardest because you have to learn lineman stuff and wide receiver stuff. But I'm not going to argue with the head coach. <laughs> right. I yeah. <laughs> I have a list here of ESPN's percentage of p- players that were on the most fantasy football playoff teams. Mm-hmm. Uh and there's two, exactly two rookie wide receivers and exactly two rookie running backs. Uh, the rookie wide receivers were Justin Jefferson, who was 14th, the 14th most likely. If you had him, you, he was the 14th most likely to get you to the playoffs. Uh, and Chase Claypool, who was uh, 10th. The two running backs are Miles Gaskin, who is 11th, and James Robinson, who is number one. So they all 67 percent of James Robinson teams got to the playoffs, which is six percent more than the next highest person. Miles Gaskin's not a rookie. He's not. He's not. Mm -mm. Wow. Oh, that just makes the delivery even more potent. Oh yeah, he played last year. I forgot about that. Wow. 
Miles Gaskin. Take the Mike. Mike took your thought and was like, nah, uh, uh, and he body slammed it. <laughs> I'm excited for this hot rookie, Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> <laughs> there is this rookie that I'm really excited. He played in the uh, in uh, the Northeast last year. His name's Frank Gore. Have you oh, heard about this guy? Yeah. yeah. God, we're only a couple of years. We're like a year or two away from Frank Gore Jr. You guys understand that, right? That's something we're going to have to grapple with. <laughs> Oh boy. So, uh, so yeah, Mike, uh, that was a, uh, a, uh, a good thing. I thought you were going to go with never play fantasy football again. So I went and I got, I made the header, the war games, uh, strange game. The only winning move is to not play. I like that. You know, as, as a side note for note number five, just quit fantasy football. Just be done with it. Just, yep. you, you can't, you can't tilt on uh, Sunday morning if there's nothing to tilt over. Absolutely. Yep. And enjoy your Sundays and relax and go to church. I guess. There you go. Uh, we, uh, my wife's family and I, we, you know, we have the 49er season tickets together. Her, her father refers to going to the game as going to church. The, the church of the oblong spheroid is what he calls it. I like that. I like that religion. <laughs> he, 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 going to Costco. The church of the uh, oblong. Yeah, and the oblong spheroid in this case is the dollar fifty hot dog and soda combo. There, I thought it was going to be the like, the like, ten cent rotisserie chicken or however cheap it is over there at Costco. Because that's kind of got an oblong spheroid shape in the the packaging. Anyways, Evan, what is your... Oh, that kind of, that kind of broke my mind. I, <laughs> I disagree with your views on shapes. Uh, it was... Uh, yeah, sorry. You, you reverse broke my mind. Evan, what's your last lesson? My last one is... Okay, so... My last one is... I can't pick between... Two players closely ranked together and tell you, the the listeners, who is going to definitively be better in any given week with accuracy beating a coin flip. And that's not because I don't do my, my homework. It's not because I'm not good at fantasy football. I'm pretty good at it. They don't give just anybody a podcast, for goodness sakes. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, so uh, and uh, it's anecdote time. It was August and our discord was bumping and uh, one person privately messaged me back and forth a lot he was a uh, a venture capitalist so he must be having a great week uh and he uh was in a ten thousand dollar buy-in league jesus and so he kept asking me these questions about real similar trades between real similar ranked players and the pressure was on and that's when i'm like i don't know any more than you like i can just tell you what i know and you have to make the decision and that led to our whole bet on yourself revelation mm-hmm. where it's like we live in the internet age where information is readily available and most of us have a similar n- amount of information in our brains all i can do is point you to the information and let you be the judge so next year i'm going to do weekly rankings which i know is death but uh but i, I can't do weekly rankings all i can do is weekly tiers of players and then a sentence or two for and a sentence or two against the upsides and downsides of that player in any given week so that the the reader can go okay well i like that argument best i think that's most likely to happen so i'm going to go with this player over that player there yeah the whole bet on yourself thing was kind of the mantra of the discord advice you know yeah, well, those people are smart yeah we, well, of course discord used to have not smart people <laughs> And they okay. ask us like simple questions like Christian McCaffrey or Mike, well, Mike Davis in any other year. And we'd tell them and they would think we were like wizards for being right. Well, no, it would go one of two ways. They'd be like, all right, I have the 1.01. Should I draft Christian McCaffrey or Teddy Bridgewater? And we'd be like, it's obviously Christian McCaffrey. And they're like, but quarterbacks score more points. And you're like, Shut <laughs> up. stop 
Get out. <laughs> or they do that thing. They're like, but I'm in a zero RB league that gives triple points to quarterbacks. And it's like, you didn't think that was like relevant information when you asked the question. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, we need to know the information. Oh, all right. Do you guys so, have a winner yet of your, your team pick them? Great question. Last week, Jeff and I picked I lost. the Buffalo Bills. Oh. Our, 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 our reader, Musician33 on the Discord, uh, who actually had uh, no more picks left uh, in the Super Bowl had they, had they missed it, picked Kansas City. Oh. So congrats to them. They win a piece of merch and a half pound of homemade beef jerky. Yes, sir. So, yes, we the, the, the Pick'em League that would not end finally ended. We had Something to funny it. happened. Uh, maybe Jeff wants to tell us. Something funny happened with that league last week. Oh, yeah. So uh, the the game was at noon and the locks were due at 10. And I was like, I like added Yahoo Sports on Twitter. I was like, what is happening here? I can't make any picks. And then I was like, oh, the games usually are going on. So they don't even account for the playoffs happening. They're just like, yeah, you can do playoff stuff. But there's no picks lock at kickoff. It's picks lock at 10 a.m. <laughs> oh, no. And as commissioner, I'm not allowed to change so many things once the first game happens at the beginning of the year like i couldn't change that i couldn't make a pick for jeff and musician who also was like i was just gonna roll they only had kansas city and buffalo so they didn't even look at it till like 4 p.m and i'm like i can't make picks i can't change the i can't extend the deadline i can't do I have, i'm so i can reset the league should i reset the league because that's the only button they have here that's not great out <laughs> <laughs> yeah i yeah i i at 11 i was like um what's going on here i can't make a pick and and that's when you said you did the we'll do it live baby yeah do it live oh, yep. that's right bill o'reilly we, can, we can't say the rest of it this is a family podcast so all right it's, it's so funny that, like you pointed out yahoo didn't even account for a, a league ever going that long <laughs> yeah they, they every i so i posted it on twitter every week and people would be like wow like the latest i've seen it go is like week 13 and I'm like yeah it's been the three of us for about six or seven weeks now uh yeah it's pretty crazy so all right let me close this one out with um the middle class the tight end middle class like the american middle class is dying is dying cloud to quote uh final fantasy 7 so what I looked at in this one was uh, the difference in fancy points between uh, tight end um, 6 through 12. So the back end of the tight end class, what I would call the, the middle class of tight ends, not top five, but still a tight end one. And then 13 through 18, which I would call, you know, your, your waiver wire guys, your, your top end backups is what I like to call them. Last season, the tight ends scored 88 percent the tight ends 13 through 18 scored 88 percent of tight ends 6 through 12 what that means is the difference between your average back end tight end one and your top end tight end two was 1.06 points per game for the last of the last 10 years the average was two points it averaged around uh 78 percent so it went up a whole 10 percent and the reason for this is what we talked about in the preseason, which was the tight end slide. Why take player X when you could take player Y? Why take player Y when you could take player Z? Why take player Z when you could take player A? Why take player A when you could take player B? And you, you go from why are you taking Hunter Henry when you can take, you know, scroll down, scroll down, scroll down, scroll down. You can take Dallas Goddard. Why take Jared Cook when you could take scroll down, scroll down, scroll down, Mike Kosicki? 
those guys were all, you know, those were back end tight end ones. And these, this class of tight ends that you're like, well, I'll get some solid production out of them. It won't be unspec, it won't, it won't be spectacular, but I'll get some solid points. The Delaney Walker tier, for lack of a better term, you know, you could get Delaney Walker as like tight end nine, and he'd be top six every week, you know, because he got a ton of catches and a ton of targets. That doesn't exist anymore. Tight end position has become four for forty eight or four for forty, and hope he score a touchdown. If you don't have Kelsey, Kelsey, but, but easy for you to say, Kelsey, Kittle, or Waller next year, don't bother taking a tight end in the first 10 rounds. Just don't. There's no point. If you get Hunter Henry, great. You gain, you, you spent a pick in the sixth round to get uh, an extra half a point per game over somebody taking um, Noah Fant in the 11th or Albert O in the 14th, or um, I haven't thought that much about tight ends for next year. Just there's no the, the the tight end middle class is gone there's the top tier and there's guys who suck and then there's everybody in the middle and there's no point in taking one of the everybody that's in the middle guys when you can get the same value two three four five rounds later so it started with the slide and now I've, i'm kind of quanti- quantifying it where the difference between here here's another one the difference between uh seven through ten and 13 through 15 is one fantasy point in 2019 it was 3.1 fantasy points so you can see right there, that's another example of the difference being huge in the past between a, a non-starting tight end and a solid starting tight end, and now it's it's one point in a half PPR league. So that's one catch for five yards. It's become a four for 40, pray for a touchdown. That's what the position has become, unless you have one of these top flight guys. So I made it top six because I do contend. So there's Kelsey, Kelsey Kittle, Waller, then there's the consolation prizes. Mark Andrews, Dallas Goddard, which I think will be the Constellation Prizes next year. And then you have everybody else. This includes my boy Mike Kosicki. This includes Noah Fant. This includes Hayden Hurst. This includes Jared Cook. This includes Hunter Henry. Take whatever's cheapest. Take the guy you feel good about that's going in the double-digit rounds. Don't don't say, oh my god, I have to get a top blank tight end. Just know that they're all the same. How we used to treat quarterback is how you should treat tight end now. Tight end 6 through tight end 16, there's almost no difference between them. Through tight end 18, there's almost no difference between them. Take two of the guys you feel good about, take them in rounds 11 and 12, and see which one does better. That's what I learned about tight end this year, is the middle class, like the American middle class, is dying. So I have the list here of ESPN's, the, the, most, the most rostered players for fantasy football teams that made the playoffs that we went over earlier. And it lists every player that over half of the teams that had this player made the playoffs. And in the preseason, as you mentioned, it was the top three was... Uh, Kittle, Waller, and um, Kelsey, and I, I know Zach Ertz was on some list, but people who listen to this podcast, they didn't end up with Zach Ertz. So, uh, of course, if you're Kittle is not on this list, but Waller is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12th, and Travis Kelsey is second. 61% of the teams that rostered Travis Kelsey made the playoffs in the ESPN leagues. I do the barbecue where I say get two superstar wide receiver running backs that you love, I'm adding Kelsey to that list in 2021. He's uh, just a, a, a league winner. Yeah, he, he and, really is. And Where obviously taking... no other tight ends on this list. <laughs> yeah, so uh, 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 Mike, is he a first rounder for you next year? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think especially if you're around that turn. If I'm around that turn, I'm going Kelsey. 
and I'm going probably um, Waller. No, you're getting them both. I might go Kittle. Yeah, I, that's my that's my plan for next year is to get um, both those tight ends. You're gonna drain the pool. I'm gonna drain it. Yep. Ah, that's not. A, I, I I remember hearing about that in um in Tout Wars, which is a base, fancy baseball thing, where years ago shortstop was just a god awful position, and there were like two good shortstops, and somebody at the turn took both of them. So he said, I could put one in flex or utility is what they call it in baseball. And then nobody else, like then everybody else is left scrambling for Kittle or yeah, for Kittle in that case. And then everybody else is screwed. Yep. So that's interesting. It's an I interesting move, draining there, the pool. I, I fully, this year you get, you tended to get a top three player for uh top three tight end for mid thirties dollars and a $200 budget. I anticipate Kelsey fetching northwards of mid fifties. I time. just, I have to, yeah, I anticipate Kelsey going up. That's around like, uh, like uh, uh, Saquon Barkley territory, right? Uh, it's, it's right where Mike said, round, round, round turn, round the turn. If it's a twelve team, oh really? Option, yeah, round the turn. Yeah, there's, okay. there's a, uh, it's, it's probably about tenth or whatever. Okay. Yeah. So Joe Mixon, ish territory this that. year. I was thinking about that last year. This year it feels like there's player, there's I'm optimistic to talk about fantasy football in 2021. It feels like there's too many players for the first round. We flutter around tons of names that I'd be excited for in the first round. Mike just mentioned Kelsey. Last year it was I don't know a tenth overall Joe Mixon maybe. Jo- yeah, it was, it was the turn became became question marks. Joe Mixon, Miles Sanders, yeah. Josh Jacobs. Yeah, and this way we it feels like it's just stuffed and overflowing with potential first round picks. Yeah, the the turn was uh, Julio Jones, I guess, you know, and, and if you took Kelsey, it was like, yeah, yeah, at the beginning of the second, if you're feeling spicy and now it's a, he's a first round pick. It's it's, you know, it's it's value based drafting, which we decided didn't uh, didn't count because you shouldn't take a tight end in the first round. But, you know, Kelsey is. The greatest tight end in the in the game right now. He's scoring the most points. He's on the most prolific offense. He's older, you know, than you would think. He's like six months six months younger than Gronk, which broke my brain. But yeah, it's it's yeah, you got to You got to get one of these guys, just like the running quarterbacks. It's it's gonna it turns into a league of haves and have-nots. And so yeah, that that that's kind of where I stand on that point. So I'm gonna stop rambling. Uh, do you guys have anything else to add for any of the stuff that we we learned uh, this year? Throw out tight ends and throw out kickers. Throw out kickers is definitely a big one. I love tight ends. I love delving into the junk tight ends. So, um, and this was weird uh, to me at least. Eighth on the list of most common players on fantasy football playoff teams. Young Way Koo. Is that how you pronounce his name? <laughs> Young Way Ko. Young way, I think it's Young Way Koo, yeah. Yeah. No other kicker, obviously, on the list. Eighth, 57% of the people rostering him made the playoffs. Probably did not win the finals because he popped a goose egg, I think. He did. Yeah. Wrong Big way, you definitely. Um... Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. All right. That'll do it for this week's episode of the Football Observer Podcast. We'll be back next week with a full Super Bowl extravaganza. Um, I think uh, last year we did some prop bets. We did some predictions. We we, we had some fun with it. Um, so we'll be back. We'll do that next week. And I'll have to learn what songs The Weeknd sings because I'm out of touch. So uh, thanks for... My kids like The Weeknd a lot. Well, I love The Weeknd. Saturday is great. Sunday, that's <laughs> yeah. when football is. 
Are you going like to listen to the weekend on the weekend? I'm I am. I will not. I'm more a fan of the strengthened. The strengthened. Uh, no, the song that I've been listening to most this week is uh, a cruel angel's thesis, which is the neon Genesis Evangelion uh, theme song. It has been stuck in my head, so I've been playing it over and over to try to get it out. So uh, it's a banger, even if you don't watch anime, which this is the only anime I've ever watched. It is a banger, and I pro- think everybody should go listen to a cruel angel's thesis. It rocks. All right, so. For Mike, for Evan, this is Jeff. Take care, and you have a good one. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.